Welcome to the City Rev Life Podcast. My name is Justin. I'm here with Pastor Roby. How you doing, Pastor Roby? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, hey, we're continuing this important conversation that we've been having uh, called Jesus and LGBTQ+. And in this conversation, we started a couple episodes ago, and like we mentioned last episode, if you are just joining us, what we would highly recommend is starting at the first episode in this series. Uh, This has been designed in a way that's very intentional, step-by-step. You can almost think of it as one long talk divided into several parts. And so to get us started, maybe, uh, Roby, would you give us a little recap of kind of where we left off? Sure. And then we'll talk a little bit about where we're going to pick it up. Yeah, and I think it would also just be good to frame up in this series that, you know, there's a lot of discussion on all sides of the subject matter that uh, that is happening. And there's po- plenty of podcasts and books and articles and, and, you know, social media posts. And a lot of that, maybe most of it, is addressing this subject matter uh, surrounding the LGBTQ community from a macro space. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, whether it's uh, initiatives or it's politics or it's legislation or it's culture or, you know, what this organization is doing or this organization is doing. And, sure. and I mean, there's just on a macro level, and that's really not what this series is designed for. So this sure. des- series is designed for um, uh, an individual. It's designed for for those that this subject matter surrounding the LGBTQ community is very personal. Yeah. Um, maybe because someone identifies as part of that community or has a loved one or a friend that does. And so that's what this is designed for. So um, maybe if someone's listening, they're used to hearing about this subject matter from really the societal or cultural level or political level. And uh, that's an important part of the discussion, but that's just not what this particular series is for. We're trying to work through it more pastorally. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So we're addressing people, uh, and our hope is that the person who's listening to this can feel like they can have a conversation uh, with someone and that this is helpful in right. helping them engage in a way that's loving. Yeah, and I think sometimes when it's the conversation is only at the societal macro level, there's not a safe place for people to listen, to learn, to dialogue. And yeah. we're hoping that in this series, as we're kind of walking through the subject matter, that it creates a safe place to listen, to think, to learn, to seek the Lord, to dialogue with, with other individuals about. So that's what we're hoping to, to set this up. Awesome. So in the last uh, episode, mm-hmm. we talked about this concept of inside-out truth versus outside-in sure. truth. And today we're going to take a step forward and talking a little bit more in that direction, but maybe recap sure. just kind of what did we mean by those terms? Yep. So we said really the focal point, kind of the fork in the road um, in this discussion is what do you do with truth? More specifically, where do you find truth? Do we look inside to find truth, which would be the prevailing view in our modern culture, is that you look inside, you find out who you really are, Mm -hmm. and you're faithful to that. Do you look inside to find truth, or is there an external source of truth, which would be the prevailing view historically? Is there an external source of truth that then I then conform to? And what we made an argument for is the second one. We kind of laid out... There's a, there is good logical reason, I, I would also say biblical reason, to see to find the right external source. You find the wrong external source of sure, truth and conform yeah. that is a disaster. 
But if you find the right external source of truth and conform to that, that is a, a superior way to go from a couple reasons. First is logically. I think really when you play it out, we really don't sustainably look inside for truth because, for example, we would have to throw out all of science. Science is finding external truths and conforming our perspectives to that. So really logically, we most of us function with an external source of truth. Second is societally. Without having some kind of external standard of truth, we end up with anarchy. And so like, we need to be able to hold people accountable to their behaviors. If someone goes and murders people um, and they say, well, when I just looked inside, I just felt homicidal. Um, and we would say, well, that is not okay. Well, yeah. based on what that was, that's not just their truth. Like based on what that, that homicide is not okay. And lastly, and I think this is really important and often uh, maybe dismissed. If someone was to look inside and so it's not just logically, it's not just societally, but it's also for someone's own personal health and thriving. Um, sometimes we look inside and there's things that we need to grow. Like there's brokenness and mm -hmm. hurt or there's just things that need to be corrected and transformed when we look inside. If someone looked inside and they found bigotry, we would not say, hey, stay true to that. Yeah. We would say, no, that that's not healthy. And you, you want to grow out of that. We should all want to grow out of that when we look inside, if we see any kind of prejudice or bias inside of us, we want to grow. So, And that's just one thing that we could look inside and see that that's unhealthy. So with that said, well, then what is the external source of truth that is so healthy and life-giving that if I conform to it, um, I, I would find life and not be kind of contorted into some unnatural place. Yeah. I think here's the, the, the question that's before us. So we've been referencing the Bible. Our claim is going to be that the Bible is that source right. of external truth. The tension I think people have is um, our view of the Bible culturally. Um, many of us have this view of the Bible that what the Bible is out to do is restrict me, confine sure. me, and keep me from joy, keep me from... Sure having life and you know the last hundred years has helped set us free from the constraints of the bible i right. think a lot of people come at it from that angle so how would you respond to that how would you respond to someone who says it's like a straitjacket yeah i think exactly i think that's the that is often the prevailing view in modern culture is that the bible is archaic restraining and it just needs to be overthrown as a a healthy place um, a healthy external truth. So we, as a, as a church, we're standing on the fact that the opposite is true, that mm -hmm. the Bible is from the, it is the word of God. It's from the creator inventor of life who has, if God invented life, he knows what's the most thriving way for humans to operate. And he's not only the inventor, he's good. He wants us to thrive and he's, he's shared with us how to thrive. But I think more than that, the claim of the Bible itself, I mean, Jesus' own words were, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. So there are, are claims in the Bible that following the word of God is to find life, mm. which is, it may not appear like that because of how sometimes the Bible is used, but um, I think the Bible itself claims to be that that source of of truth. Yeah. So the Bible claims it. God is for your joy. Yes. That God wants joy for your yes. life. 
He wants peace. He wants you to thrive and flourish. That is the claim. Yes. And so just how would you respond? Is there a passage in particular that sure. helps address this and draws this out? I would just, I would caution, um, I would caution someone who says that the Bible is restraining, it's a straitjacket. Um, and I, I would empathize with that, that I, I have heard people use the Bible like that. And I would caution someone from throwing out the, the tr- message of the Bible because maybe someone has used the Bible like that in their life. And I think there are times, many times, that I've seen the Bible used more like a weapon, more like something to condemn other people, rather than letting the truth of the Mm. Bible set people free. And there's a particular passage, many passages we could go to, but there's one that is just one of the most vibrant and um, it's in John chapter 8. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage just for the sake of time, but let me just set this up. Um, Jesus at this point is, is teaching, his fame is growing, and there is a particular group that is against Jesus. It is the religious elite. Mm-hmm. That's important to take note. The enemies of Jesus were the religious elite. The people that were flocking to him were outcasts, Um, many people like tax collectors who were completely ostracized from their community. Um, it was people who were hopeless. Uh, I mean, all kinds of people were were drawing, drawn to Jesus, but the religious elite hated him, was trying to undo him. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to trap him. And so here's what, what happened. Um, this is John chapter eight, verse three, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Okay, here's the scene. They bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, if she's caught in the act of adultery, yeah, that requires two parties. Sure. It's not, cannot be, can't be caught in the act of adultery. By yourself. By yourself. There's two parties. Where is the other party? It's just a woman. Right in here, you see, I mean, the Bible's pretty raw and honest. What you see is this religious, these religious leaders, there is a woman that they've brought caught in the act of adultery, and they've not brought the man. I mean, this is oppressive. This is misogynistic. This is Mm -hmm. terrible. Okay. And, but they bring this woman to Jesus and they said, the law says to, to stone this woman. What do you say? And they, they don't really care about the law. Right. They would have handled it themselves. They care about trapping Jesus. All right. Jesus bends down and it says he writes in the, in the sand with his finger. Now, this is a significant phrase because it, that is a phrase used in the Old Testament to describe the finger of God. And the finger of God is the one who carved the Ten Commandments in the stone tablets for Moses. And so John is highlighting, remember, if Jesus being God in the flesh, it is Jesus who carved the Ten Commandments for Moses and gave the law. So they, they obviously, the Pharisees don't acknowledge this, but this is the reality of, this, of the situation. Right. 
Jesus is starting to write out, presumably write out the Ten Commandments in the sand there in the temple as he, as he did um, with Moses. And he says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And he continues writing in the ground with his finger. And at that, one by one, all of this religious elite have to leave because they all have sin. And the only one who's left is Jesus. Mm. Why is he the only one that's left? He's the only one who's never sinned. Mm. Then he says this. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. So much in here. I, I want to, to show like the... Uh, the love, the protection, the safety that Jesus provides for this woman. Mm -hmm. And and here's the the framework of religion is if you don't sin, God will accept you. Jesus turns this on its head and it says, God accepts you, now don't sin. Mm. And so Jesus says, first, I don't condemn you either, now go and sin no more. Mm. The, The tension here is, it's Jesus, it's God's law that someone who's caught in adultery should be stoned, not just the woman, but the whoever's caught in adultery should be stoned. So how is Jesus not upholding his own law? And that's the message of the gospel. He will absorb the cost of the sin. He will die on the cross. He will be stoned to death, so to speak. Um, he will die in our place, absorbing our own sin, and in that sense, no longer condemning. That salvation he will give to us Mm. taking our sin and then telling us to go and sin no more and the woman um when she sees the safety and protection that jesus offers her she says she calls him lord that Mm. means like my my god my king um and she's building her life on on his acceptance here's what so often happens with the, the the bible it's one of the most beautiful passages about the gospel so often the bible is used by people who are building their life on religion not building their life on the gospel Mm. and this those and they're they're following in the footsteps of what the pharisees are here doing they're weaponizing the law not even for this for this woman this woman they don't even care about but to get jesus yeah and jesus is he he is um demonstrating the gospel and the gospel is profound the gospel is not make no mistake the gospel is not hey come to jesus anything goes Mm -hmm. the gospel is come to jesus just as you are find love and acceptance find welcome but he's not going to leave us just as we are Mm -hmm. he's going to he's going to bring acceptance and love to us and then he's going to transform us from the inside out and we say, well, that's the part I don't like. I don't like him transforming. But here's what's so important. What's so important is, like we talked about, when we look inside, we see that there are things inside each of us that needs to be healed. Mm-hmm. And so we, we find a safe place in the person of Jesus. And then the things that sometimes deep inside we're clinging to are the things when we make Jesus our Lord, he's actually freeing us from. Mm. And so I, I love this passage just in the way it frames the gospel and it frames how uh, it's how the, the Bible is actually a source of life and freedom for us.
So, so as we're having really a, a number of conversations in life, this, this applies for a number of areas where, like we had in the previous conversation, when we look inside of us, yeah. we're going to see all sorts of things that uh, I mean, we have thoughts sometimes or, or jealous, envious thoughts towards people right. we love and care about. And we look inside and we see those. We need healing. We need transformation right. in those places. And the good news of the gospel is not that, well, because you have those wrong, sinful desires inside your heart, uh, the number of them, be it envy, selfishness, whatever it is, uh, what we can find in Jesus is acceptance, grace, forgiveness, and love. And then what he does for us is he transforms us and, right. and helps us. I, the very next verse in John 8 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. Uh, what God wants to bring in our lives is this transformation where we walk in the light, the, right. the knowledge of who he is and, and the goodness of what he has for us. Yep. And so in light of that text then, and, and, and addressing that question of, well, the Bible seems restrictive, it seems confining, how does that text really just unlock or demonstrate that, no, what, what Jesus actually offers us is life? Yeah, I, I think what it does is, the woman leaves this encounter with Jesus building her life on something else. Jesus is now her Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus is now like the, the foundation. It's the foundation she's standing on. And I think that is what's so profound about the Bible because we tend to build our lives on other things. Yeah. You know, we tend to build our identity on other parts about us. For many, it's the things that we can achieve. We try to build our life on success. We try to build our life on, on what people say about us. We try to build our life on, on whatever. We try to build our life on another identity, and that identity at some point will fail us. Yeah. If I'm trying to build my identity on success, there will always be someone more successful, mm -hmm. or I might fall into failure. If I'm building my identity on acceptance from another person or another group, mm. then will come the day where those people fail me. If I'm trying to build my life and my identity on being a parent or being in a relationship, at some point those will all fail me and will leave me uh, crushed and de devastated with an identity crisis. Yeah. And so what the, what the gospel does is it gives me solid ground to build my life on. It, I build my life on um, that the God of the universe who invented everything and is keeping the universe upheld loves me, is with me, knows me, accepts me just as I am, and also loves me so much mm -hmm. that he's not leaving me just as I am. Yeah. And that creates such a, a solid way to live my life yeah. that he's freeing me from things that I don't even realize yet that I need to be freed from. He's mm -hmm. freeing me from, like we said, biases or prejudice or pride or arrogance or, or mm -hmm. sin struggles or, or whatever it may be. He's freeing me from things that I don't even know that I need to be freed from. And he's giving me a solid foundation based on his love and acceptance. And, and as opposed to sometimes the Bible is used like the Pharisees used the, mm -hmm. the, the word of God. Here, go get fixed, go get cleaned, and then when you're not such a sinner, then God will love you. That's not Jesus. That's mm -hmm. the Pharisees. That's, the, that's, that's what the Pharisees said, and they're the ones who killed Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus overcame death and rose from the dead. What the message of Jesus was is, I accept you yeah. just as you are, but I'm not, I love you too much to leave you where you are. Yeah. That identity 
component. There's so much conversation about identity happening, not just in, in the church Christian circles, but right. all across the world. I think of uh, Atomic Habits, one of the most best-selling yeah. books in our time, right? In these last few years, it's all about how do you build habits? Well, you need to rethink your identity. It's like your actions flow from your identity. And what kind of identity does the scripture say that we can have in Christ? I think of Romans 8. What can separate you from the love of God? There's nothing right. in all of creation that can separate you from it. Who are you? are a child of God. You have the spirit inside of you. And so what we're claiming here, as we've talked about, yeah. external truth logically, personally, societally makes sense. And we're making the claim that the Bible, what it offers us is a source of truth that sets us free. This is the claim. Right. It sets us free, gives us life, and provides for us the type of identity that no matter our performance, if we have a bad day and we fail and we mess up and we're full of regret, we drop the ball in, in any area of life, relationally, with our profession, what we have in the gospel is a rock-solid identity that can't be revoked. Right. It is who we are. It is received, not achieved. And that is good news that is able to set us free. Yes, it is that first and foremost because of the work of Jesus, not because of what I do, but what he did. Um, if I accept that, I have been adopted and I am a child of God, and that cannot be changed. And so I, I think that's the foundation that the scripture says. Now, I think that comes into this discussion about uh, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I think in the next episode, we'll talk more. Okay, then what does the Bible say about uh, gay relationships, lesbian relationships, those desires, those inclinations, those kinds of identities. What does the Bible say? And there's actually, there's debate about that. We're going to walk through those, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode. But for now, this is why this is mm -hmm. so life-giving. God loves us. He accepts us and he's at work inside of us all because of the work of Jesus. And that's the foundation of our identity. That's great. Well, we hope that this episode has been helpful and uh, we'll look forward to continuing the discussion. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.